0: Have any superpower possible? What superpower would it be? Anybody? Anybody have a, an idea of if you could have any superpower there was, what, what would it be? Time travel? Time travel. Fly. Flying? Re- what? Restorative? Wisdom? Know the future? What? Teleportation, yeah, there are many. Um, This was actually one of the questions that the first church in Corinth was asking. Well, sort of. (laughs) Uh, They wanted to know about spiritual gifts. What do spiritual gifts do? What are they? What is the primary characteristic common to all spiritual gifts? As is our practice later on, we will have a time for Q and R, and you will be able to email or text your questions to ask at westviewchurch.ca, or you can stand where you are, and we'll bring a microphone to you, and we look forward to engaging with you in some conversation. So the Apostle Paul wrote several letters to what I call First Church Corinth, the first church that was established in the city of Corinth. Now, the the city of Corinth, we've talked about it in in the recent past, eclipsed uh, Athens in its uh, prominence and notoriety. The city of Corinth was the wealthiest city at the time of Paul in that area. It was a, a major urban center. It was a multicultural center. It was, as one uh, scholar put it, the New York, L.A., Las Vegas of the ancient Near East. Kimberly and I actually had an opportunity um, several years ago um, on um, our anniversary trip to go both to Athens and then to take a trip to Corinth. Uh, Amazing. But it's to this city that Paul writes, and I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he begins by saying this uh, well into his letter to the church there. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, now concerning spiritual gifts, this is what he wants to talk about, and I was looking at this trying to figure out, well, what is the context? He kind of just pops this up, and that is because the first church Corinth was engaged in somewhat of a QR and r session with the Apostle Paul of their own. They had sent questions to him in advance. So we read in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. uh, Sorry, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. He says, uh, Now uh, concerning matters that you wrote to me, 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 1, if you want to put that up there, please. Uh, 1 Corinthians, he says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote to me, and here he says, uh, it is not uh, proper for a man to touch a woman, and it goes on. There's context there. First Corinthians 8, verse 1, he says, "Now concerning food that was sacrificed to idols." Now in 1 Corinthians 16:1, he says, "Now concerning the collection of uh, gifts for the saints." So, these were questions that, he had, that the First Church Corinth had submitted to Paul in their form of a q and he was responding to them. And so, likewise, we have here in this question about spiritual gifts. And so, we read 1 Corinthians 12 1 and 2. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols. could not speak. So they ask about spiritual gifts, and he says, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's in the negative. Later on, he says it in the positive. I want you to understand. And then he says this business of pagan days. The Greek word for pagan is ethnos. It's where we get race or uh, ethnicity, uh, nation, people. It also is a reference for people that do not believe in God. And what Paul is using here by saying this, is he is saying that there are people that are of the kingdom of God, those that are the people that are the kingdom of God, and everybody else that's not yet a citizen of God's kingdom, and that is what he refers to as pagan or this other um, ethnos. And he says, remember in the days when you weren't part of the family of God, when you weren't part of the kingdom of God, and he's right to the congregation in 1st Church Corinth, and he says, you were... Influenced, You were enticed. You were deceived. But how did the congregation there of all these people of different backgrounds and so on in First Church Corinth, how did they hear about spiritual gifts to begin with? How did they know how to ask that question? Well, Jesus talked considerably and taught about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, so did Paul. Paul talked and wrote extensively about the Holy Spirit and about spiritual gifts. And we actually read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, at the beginning of this letter, Paul says, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul has already talked to them about spiritual gifts. What they want to know is, what do they do? What are these spiritual gifts? Now, our context today, here at Westview, is obviously different than the context was for First Church Corinth. Uh, We have a lot of things that are, are different, but we also have things that are the same. What's Different you know when Paul was talking to first church Corinth and he said remember those pagan days remember those days when you weren't uh, You didn't know about the kingdom of God or when you weren't a follower of Jesus or when you weren't part of a church community because in reality up until The coming of Christ there was not an established church, but for us today for most of you, can you remember a time when you didn't know about Jesus Christ or about church? Many of you have grown up connected to church. Many of you have grown up. In fact, some of you, if you're young people, might say in your testimony, I don't remember a time when I didn't know about Jesus. And maybe even you may say, well, I'm not sure exactly when it was that I became a follower of Jesus. So in that sense, there is definitely a difference. But we are still being enticed and influenced and deceived. Yes, the context is different. Certainly the context of First Church Corinth and the context of Westview is different. But there are similarities. We are living in an urban center an urban center that's well off, generally speaking, economically. It's a multi-ethnic city. I would say that we are certainly the jewel of Alberta, if not Canada. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. <laughs> so there are Similarities and there are differences. We don't have the same exact issues as 1st Church Corinth, but there is commonality. And some of the questions that they asked Paul, if you recall, about sexuality and intimacy, about food and diet, About finances, tithes, and offering, they were asking those questions. What I am concerned about is having come out of this whole era of Christendom, which has essentially been dismantled, but what I wonder is have we actually stopped asking questions? They were asking questions. And I believe that we are somewhat confused about the Holy Spirit and especially misshapen when it comes to matters of spiritual gifts. I mean, there are actually very existential, real, divine, spiritual gifts that I call superpowers, as we will learn why. We are, in truth, very enamored with superpowers. Marvel and DC have a multi-billion dollar business, lucrative industry based on our fascination with superpower. And that's fun. I would imagine what it would be like to fly or to leap tall buildings. But there are actually real superpowers. There's real spiritual gifts. And have we actually traded the sort of uh, mirage for the existential divine reality? I wonder. And so we join FCC, First Church Corinth, to ask these questions. Superpowers, what do they do? What are they? Who has them? Who has what? How are they different than talents and abilities and skills? And so before we even get there, we listen to Paul at the beginning of answering this question for them, and he begins by talking about what these spiritual gifts are, this superpower, what do they do? What is the primary characteristic that is common to all of the gifts? And as we heard last Sunday, start by saying that, Everyone who believes and accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and follows Jesus Christ as Lord has received the Holy Spirit. That's from John 7 and other places. That's part of it. You have received the Holy Spirit. So then about these spiritual gifts, these pneumatikos. Here he uses that word pneumatikos, which is the expressions of the Spirit. So he says this, listen to his writing, he says, now concerning matters of this, expressions of the Spirit, he says, you know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Fascinating. That when he says, now I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts, I want to talk to you about superpowers, Paul begins by talking about idols that are mute and the Holy Spirit who speaks. That's where he starts this. And he's making several points. First of all, God is alive. He's a living person, if you will. God is alive as opposed to idols, as opposed to formed objects. Inanimate objects. When we sang this morning, help us to be more aware of your presence. A living being. God is alive. And the Spirit of God speaks. In contrast to idols that are mute. The Spirit of God speaks. Literally and metaphorically, the fact that we have this, the Bible, is evidence that, the God, that God speaks. How did this come into being? Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God or is uh, breathed by God. I mean the Bible was written by men and women the Bible was written by human beings but they were inspired by the Lord the holy spirit spoke to them and that's how we have come to have this book in our hands First Peter uh, rather second Peter verse 21 Because no prophecy ever came by human will. But men and women, moved by the Spirit, spoke from God. The Holy Spirit speaks. And we have this. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. He said in Luke 4, when He got up in the synagogue, He unraveled the uh, scroll of Isaiah to this passage. And then He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And anointed me to proclaim. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God speaks. Listen to what Paul writes in the book of Acts. Acts 16. 16, verse 6. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now, this is. Luke writing about Paul and his travels, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. This is the Holy Spirit guiding and leading and directing Paul. And then in chapter 20, verse 22, and now as a captive to the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are awaiting me. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, speaks. And as Paul is building his point, he says, the Holy Spirit speaks to people. The Holy Spirit speaks to all people. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16. This is Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit, starting in verse 8. And when He comes, that is the Holy Spirit, He will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. He speaks to all people. He is involved in the work of salvation and of drawing people uh, uh, to the Heavenly Father. That is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Speaking to all people. Part of the work of salvation. And the conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then later, Jesus says this a few verses later in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. The Spirit of truth will come, and He will guide you, and He will speak. The Holy Spirit speaks... Also, and He is involved in discipleship. So when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is still speaking with you and guiding you and leading you into the truth because the Spirit of God is alive and He is present and He is speaking to people. And what does the Spirit of God say? What is His message? Well, we heard Jesus saying... He will glorify the Lord. And what we hear Paul saying in First Corinthians 12, he says, the Spirit of God says these three words, literally and also in different ways, he says, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now I'm going to show a bit of a litmus test here, a show of my personal sort of uh, uh, influence here. But when we were going through the pandemic... That to me was remained a litmus test for all followers of Jesus. Whatever you were doing, can you still say Jesus is Lord? Can you say Jesus is Lord? Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Can you say Jesus is Lord while you're wearing a mask? Jesus Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, we cannot profess Jesus is Lord unless it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He makes and enables us to say, Jesus is Lord. And Paul is so confident and so bolstered by this, his whole ministry. Did you hear him when he was uh, working and he was describing this in Acts? He said, the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there. So we went here and the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there either. And he said, all right. And then we went and we found our way. It's amazing. And in 1 Corinthians 12, and three verses, he doubles down and he says it both in the positive and the negative. You can, nobody can say Jesus is accursed if they have the Holy Spirit. And by Having the Holy Spirit, you're unable to say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. So what Paul is doing here is, he is making clear and specific the uniqueness of the spiritual gifts, the uniqueness of spiritual gifts, juxtaposing them to natural human talents, skills, and abilities. What he is pointing out is that the source of spiritual gifts is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the source. And that's why I call them superpowers. Because they're not human natural power, but they are power from the Holy Spirit. Yesterday when Kimberly and I were talking, she said "This Holy Spirit is the first gift to believers. The first gift is the Holy Spirit, but then the Holy Spirit gives Gifts and abilities and these superpowers to people that are followers of Jesus. The Spirit of God speaks through people. The Spirit of God speaks through people. He speaks through people when we're using certain words, yes but He speaks through people, through our actions, through our deeds. As we will come to learn and discover about the specifics of certain spiritual gifts, He speaks through those actions and those deeds and through posture. The Spirit of God manifests the character of the Lord Jesus Christ through spiritual gifts. So the superpower is the power to speak Jesus into the present and into a place. When you are exercising your spiritual gifts, you are manifesting the presence of Jesus Christ into that place and into that time. The acts of the Spirit of God working through you for the benefit of other people. I want to pause here for a moment Um, Kimberly could I ask you to bring my water to me I I keep drinking but then I start talking and I just need more water why don't we pause for uh, thanks sweetie why don't we pause for some Q&R you know I'll say like last Sunday y'all were fairly quiet and um I'm I'm in my mind, I'm saying you're quiet maybe because you're processing. I like that you respond to Jesus is Lord. I love that. And we we demonstrate that through our our deeds, through the acts and the postures that we are going to learn more about through these superpowers. But I wonder if you have some questions about what we've been unpacking here this morning. I know there was one question that I meant to send you, that I neglected to send you. I was about to say, that we, but uh, we
1: have two. Okay, here we go. Have, have a few. So let's, let's jump into this. And If we got time, then we'll, we'll get back to that one as well, because yep. uh, these are some good questions. So um, let me read this one. How does one differentiate between the true voice of the Holy Spirit versus our own inner voice, yeah. which is so often directed by our personal experiences and, and yeah. biases and desires? Um, Let me just read the whole thing, but I think that's the the crux of it. Many historical events and even current trends in our churches have justified evil actions Mm -hmm. as being led by the Holy Spirit and have caused extensive damage.
0: Yes. Yeah, so that's really good. So how do we differentiate between the Spirit of God's voice to us? And our own voice, and I would add to that, it's a really good question, and I would add to that that there are spiritual forces of wickedness, and they too are speaking. We're in a spiritual battle, first and foremost, and the question is, how do we uh, differentiate there? Yeah, That's a really good question. Um, I, I'm going to take a couple minutes, because it's really probably the biggest concern when we talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks and that the Holy Spirit speaks to people, is they can get with that concept, but then we kind of go to how do we do this discernment thing. Let me just try and work this in a couple of steps. The first one is this. If I were to have a microphone right now that amplified your inner life, your thoughts right now, if I could put a stethoscope on the chatter that your mind was having right now, What would that be like? I wager that there are conversations going on in your mind. That there are thoughts and things that you're thinking about and hearing and saying. You're not breaking airwaves, but you're... So that there are conversations. Thoughts that come to you. Thoughts that originate from you. The question becomes, how do we discern and make clear what is the voice from the Spirit of God, and what is the voice from my own motivations, and what are the, could be the spiritual forces of wickedness. One of the things that I have called and said for many years is a concept called with time, W-I-T-H, with time, spending time with, both speaking and listening to the Holy Spirit. So let me explain that for a moment. When you were little, if you were in a store and you were, uh, uh, you know those racks with clothes and maybe a child goes in there and they're looking for something, also you can't find them, but mom or dad calls your name. In a busy store, you know that voice because you have spent time with And I believe that one of the things that's happening right now in our current cultural milieu in the last 10 years, ever since the advent of the smartphone, is that everything is getting jammed into our space. There is chatter on top of chatter, filling everything up and crowding out quiet, solitude, mental space to spend time with the Spirit of God. So with time is part of it. I want to give you a couple of other quick pieces as well. One is that the Spirit of God will never contradict what you read in Scripture. Now that means that, as one uh, professor scholar put it, he is constrained by the Scripture, but he is not contained by the Scriptures. Because he can give you guidance in all kinds of areas that you won't necessarily find here, but it won't contradict with what you read here. He is first and foremost testifying to the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He will also speak in terms of consolation versus desolation. Write those words down, consolation versus desolation. He is here to encourage and bring, uh, console you, not to make you feel desolate and desperate and dire. That is the truth because He is love. Do not be anxious. He speaks consolation, not desolation. He speaks about conviction and not condemnation. There is no condemnation, Paul writes in Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So the voice that encourages you, or the voice that might convict you, you know, really you should apologize to so-and-so because you kind of hurt their feelings. But if a your voice says you're no good or you're not of any worth, that's condemnation. And condemnation is different than conviction. He will speak conviction, but he won't speak condemnation.
1: That's good. Oh, I could keep going. I'm going to stop you. All right, do but, it. But, but do it. But it's good.
0: Okay, because okay, we're right now just talking about discerning the Holy Spirit. He's alive, the Spirit of God is speaking. Well, this is good.
1: This jumps into our next one. Do you feel, yeah, drink some water. Uh, Do you feel that some people do not know they have gifts or they're unclear what their gifts are because they think God's going to kind of reveal them in thunder and lightning, Uh, you know, versus, you know, something else? So how do people go about finding out their spiritual gifts?
0: Okay, that's good. Um, Yeah, so this aspect of spiritual gifts, um, I was looking at the history of of teaching on spiritual gifts here in and even in other churches, it's not something that has been done a lot. But we're certainly in a time and an era, a church where we are coming out of the history that we've just come out of, where we need to understand and appreciate our spiritual gifts because the Lord has put them, uh, given them to us. But we aren't aware of them because, yes, we're we're thinking that it must necessarily mean some kind of uh, significant experience and so on. we want to talk about, and and so I I want to, if there's other questions, I want to take those, and then I want to come back to how do we unpack and how do we learn about these spiritual gifts? Because I will tell you that when you receive the Holy Spirit, and I would would imagine that for most of us, I don't know that that was necessarily a lightning bolt, extraordinary, like, run-down-the- aisles experience. But the companionship, the change in our lives... Receiving the Holy Spirit, and we know there are times when we we just sense and we know the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so too spiritual gifts, and they are there by the promise. So we're going to talk in a few minutes when we conclude here about what that looks like next.
1: So I might miss some context in this. If this is you, we'd love to follow up with you afterwards just to get a little bit more certainty. So can people who are spiritually dead hear the Spirit of God
0: speaking? Can the people who are spiritually, spiritually dead, dead hear, hear the, the Spirit, Spirit of God, of God speaking? speaking? Yes. Right. So that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure what um, spiritually dead means, but right. in other words, they haven't, been, um, they haven't been revived, they haven't been transformed by the Holy Spirit. So they have not moved from death to life, as, as Jesus would say. And can they hear the Holy Spirit? So I made a bold statement earlier, that the Spirit of God speaks to all people. I believe that to be true based on what Jesus teaches and the rest of New Testament and Old Testament. So yes, the Holy Spirit speaks to all people because the Holy Spirit is involved in God's salvific work. He is speaking to that person that is not yet a follower of Jesus, desiring and prompting and drawing them to the truth. Uh, Making them aware of, of sin. Bringing conviction to them. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we as followers of Jesus come along and we testify. But it is the work of the Holy Spirit that is speaking to people. And you are a follower of Jesus today because the Holy Spirit was involved in that as well. So the Holy Spirit is speaking to all people. Now whether they receive and respond... And say yes. But this is good news. It is good news because God is the consummate evangelist. Yeah. And He is preaching and drawing and evangelizing and gospeling. What He's doing is He involves us and He shares that with us. But it's Him who has the ultimate authority. So absolutely, the Holy Spirit is speaking to every single person. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing that.
1: I'll let you wrap that up. Okay. I'm going to get ready Thank for you. Yes.
0: So music team, why don't you join Uh, ty on the platform here you know uh